spending time with her husband, friends, family, including her 12 grandchildren. In her spare time, she connects and celebrates with the women involved in motorsports, taking you behind the wall about their journey of life, racing, and how they juggle everything to make it all work. Welcome to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Strap in, window nets up, the pedals are down, and when the green flag drops, we go. everyone this is melinda russell with racing girls rock podcast and i have a very special guest today my friend lisa is here with us she works with hendrix motorsports and so i'm just gonna let her tell us about herself and what she does because she's got a great story and i want you to hear it from her so lisa welcome to the show thanks melinda well, my name is Lisa Smokestead. Like Melinda has told you, um, I'm a tire specialist at Hendrick Motorsports and I have worked there for 21 years now, which makes me about 26 for those of you doing the math. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, obviously I'm well over that. Um, but I started working actually in racing um, well before I made my move to North Carolina. I went to, I'm from Minnesota and I went to the University of Minnesota and on summer break, I would work at my local racetrack. There was actually two, Elko Speedway and Raceway Park. And I worked in the concession stand is where I started and started kind of paying attention to racing. Um, we went to the races with my family, you know, on Sunday entertainment at our, at our local short track, but started working there and started paying more attention. and met my um, now husband who was the crew chief on his brother's race car. And they, you know, I, I went along with them. They kind of, they raced around the area in Wisconsin and Iowa and Indiana and Minnesota. And I kind of helped out just running, you know, anything that Craig needed. Craig is my now husband. Um, and one weekend his um, friend ended up who was doing tires ended up not being able to come and Craig said well Lisa can handle this let's just have her do it which so it wasn't exactly what I thought like I wanted to do with, with the rest of my life but it was pretty exciting it's because I could subtract and add fractions because there was stagger and late model tires there's a difference between the right and the left side and I could do the math quickly so that um, actually turned into, they started racing in um, the American Speed Association, ASA, and we met Kenny Schrader at Brainerd, one of the tracks when his team was racing, and he offered Craig and myself a job on his ASA team. He formed a new team, um, and we moved down to Charlotte, so I worked at, so Schrader actually was the first person who paid me to work on a race car, which was a big thing. I did, to backtrack a little, I did finish my degree, got a degree in psychology, which I used because that racing was just a part-time gig. And I um, used my psychology degree to represent children in court. I was a guardian ad litem, um, which I loved. Um, wasn't, was probably what I thought I was gonna do with my life until running into Schrader and turned six <laughs> at Brainerd. And um, so we moved down here. I worked for him for two years and it turned out that um, the ASA team kind of went away. So they just had a truck team and kind of left me one, one person out because they already had a tire specialist. So I asked Kenny if I should, what he thought I should do. And he, I said, I thought I was gonna just send my resume out. You know, I looked into Guardian Ad Litem programs here as well. And 
he said, yeah, I, I just don't know that, you know, he said, don't get discouraged. He said, because there aren't any women in racing. He said, don't. So maybe if you stick with the, the small teams and I'm like, all right, sent all my resumes out. And the very next week I heard from a team up in Pennsylvania and they hired me. It was Ryan McGlynn, the double zero and very, very nice family. And they actually hired me as a consultant. So I went to probably four or five races with them and um, would like try to I'd fly the cheapest way I could fly for them, you know, just to, cause it was kind of a foot in the door cause it put me back at the racetrack and it worked. Cause I think we were in maybe Portland. Um, we were either in Seattle or Portland racing the truck series and Jack Sprague came up to me. I remember in the infield and he said, what are you doing here, chick? I explained what was going on. And he said, oh, do you need a job? And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, well, hold on a minute. And about 10 minutes later, he came back and he was like, well, yeah, come with me. Dennis wants to meet with you. That's Dennis Connor, his crew chief. And it, it all like, it was pretty much a blur. I remember running over to Craig because he was working for Schrader still on his truck team. And I'm like, you'll never guess who just asked me if I needed a job. So he was pretty excited. It was, and from there, I, the next weekend, I started working at Hendrick and have been there ever since. Like we started in the truck series and moved into the Bush series and then um, moved into the cup series and kind of made my home there. So it was a whirlwind and it doesn't seem like it's been 21 years. Um, it was a, like just a drop in the hat. It went so fast. It was a lot of hard work though. I'm not going to kid you on that. A lot of travel and and everything, but very exciting to be, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I'll tell you, there's a ton of respect for, for where I work and who I work for and who I work with. You know, that's an amazing story. And so one thing that I took from what you just said is that you don't start at the top. You started, you know, at the bottom on a local team and then with Schrader and then, you know, people noticed you and so that's one thing I think that young, young women need to understand. And, and I've heard this from a lot of other women I've interviewed too, is that you build relationships, you work hard. Sometimes you have to work for free to get the experience and get the connections. And if you're good at what you do and you're a hard worker, it normally will pay off that somebody's going to notice you and you're going to, <clears throat> excuse me, you're going to find the place where you belong, which is, I think, what you've done. You feel like you belong at Hendrick and that's, that's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah, Melinda, I think you really summarized what I give, when I give advice to other um, women in the sport that I've, I'll be approached by, you know, somebody that'll ask how I made it and what my advice is. And my advice is just that. I mean, just work hard, like start, like nobody, I didn't have, I wasn't given respect, I earned it. And, and that's the way it should be for everyone, not just a woman, but a man. Like, I really felt like, like volunteering somewhere was a good start and just show what a hard worker you are. And then another part of that is I feel like in this, sorry about that, this doesn't have to be, um, let me fix that. Um, it doesn't have to be a woman or a, or a man's advice. I think you just have to be the best at what you do. Like I've always overachieved. I think I had a little advantage because Craig was a car chief. He worked at Hendrick for a number of years. Um, 
and I could ask him anything. We weren't necessarily always on the same team, but like I always took it one step ahead because he was the car chief and working on setups and, and all of that. I would take, take it to the next step and say, hey, what did we change here? And then I'd kind of know what, what was gonna happen. I think me knowing, having a general knowledge of the entire race car and race setups has brought me to the level that I'm at now. Just having his support too probably didn't hurt at all either. Right, and you know, like you said, knowing all the parts of the car. So you don't necessarily have to know how to put them all together, but if you understand how they work and what they do, then that has to make you find the, what you need to do easier. And so, <clears throat> you know, most of the girls that I talk to, their, their dads, usually it's a dad, has them in the garage helping because I think that's important. They can't just show up at the track and get in the, the car or the truck or whatever they're racing. They have to be involved from the, the greasy, you know, bolt on the car to the glory of winning with the checkered flag. It's, it's the whole picture. Um, and I think that's what I'm hearing from you as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it started out with um, my, like my dad and brother were always out in the garage. So that was how I got to spend time, time with them. And so I definitely started with a base from learning from them. And to be honest, if you wanted to impress them both, I mean, I didn't seek out to do this completely, but making myself definitely learn more and more um, in the field I'm in definitely was part of it. Just to my brother said he's not impressed yet, so I'm still working on that, but <laughs> he's probably yeah, never going to be impressed. <laughs> family, family's probably the hardest ones to impress because they don't always, they don't always cut us any slack, do they? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So Lisa, for the people that don't know, and um, you know, there's a lot, I know there's a lot to your job because I have another gal that's a, become a close friend of mine, Liz Fristella, and she's a tire specialist as well. But why don't you tell the listeners, what is a tire specialist and, and what do you do? Like what's race day look like for you or the weekend, the race weekend? So a tire specialist is, um, is a, it's a very physical position. Um, we have pre-ordered our race tires now. We've um, got that far in the system that we order our tires before we get to the racetrack. So they're all sitting there when we get there. Now, obviously, the situation we're in right now with being, you know, we're only showing up and racing. So it's a little different than than what it was. But I'll just explain a normal weekend would be there'd be four sets of tires we'd get and we'd have to go physically pick them up with the tire cart and exchange the air um, to nitrogen, roll them out, which means measure the circumference, and mark what we do is record all the numbers on the tires. There's different indicators that Goodyear gives us that tell us when the tire was born, um, when it was formed, like born, <laughs> made, yeah. which is like they're born because somebody's actually making each one individually and gives you different um, marks on the tires. And then there's also uh, tread indicators. There's depth in indicators that we take a pre-wear measurement on and then after the tires run that can tell us how what the conditions of the race car are so the all of that is recorded and we put them in sets and mark on them which one to go which which position on the car they're going to go and throughout the event throughout the practice and qualifying um, we set air pressures check air pressures and again go back and check the wear and the temperature on the tires so it's pretty busy from the time you get to the garage 
until after practice. And then you get your anywhere from nine to 12, sometimes 13 sets of race tires and go through that same process all over again. And then during the, during the event, the actual race events, we bring our tires out to the pit and we decide, I mean, with everybody's input, the engineers and the crew chiefs, um, which sets we're gonna put on in which order. And we just monitor everything that comes goes onto that race car and comes off of that race car. So it's it's very it's very labor intensive and busy, and your whole weekend flies by pretty fast. I <clears throat> yeah, I've I've observed Liz, and now I'm going to have to come and and hang out with you in your garage when I'm allowed to come back, because there's so much to it that people don't think about, and that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed is I have enjoyed inviting people into the garage area and taking them around and showing them what it takes to put that race car on the track because they've probably never heard of a tire specialist or you know what does this person do what does that person do and the amount of work and the amount of people that a normal weekend would require is so much more than what people people that come to the race they you know, get their ticket, they sit in the stand, they watch the race, they say they're a diehard fan, but they've never been to the infield or the garage. They really don't have a clue how it works. And, you know, I even encourage people if they just would go to their local track, find their favorite driver and say, hey, can I hang out in the pits with you for one race? One night, one night of racing. There's so much to it, you know, how early you guys get there, how late you work after other people are gone. And I just think it makes the whole um, racing, it's, it's so much more than just cars going around a track. There's, there's engineers and there's so many people that, you know, it takes, like you said, you're good at math, you're, you're good at measurements, you're good at calculating things in your head. Um, you don't know that when you're just a fan that sits in the stands. And I love encouraging people to come and, and see the back end of what it takes to put that car on the track. Yeah, I agree. And then there's so much more too that happens back at the shop that, you know, like happens at a, at your local racetrack too, you know, back in garages and, and such like ours was in our family garage, but like to come to our shop, I would encourage you, like I totally welcome you, open invitation if you're ever in Charlotte, I would love you to come and tour our shop because it's so, there's so much more than I ever understood. Like at this level, it is unbelievable to see the people that, you know, go through and they, they read the tire files, like the engineering end of it, our engine shop and chassis shop. There's just so many people that touch every part of it. Like, and right. especially during now what we have. The way everything is set up to see the differences and how how everybody actually had to come together even more because not all of us can go to the shop on certain days so we've had to cr cross everybody's you know like everybody's helped me out with the things that I can't do because I can't go into the shop right now mm -hmm. and vice versa like like I've picked up slack for people that are you know like my tire guys are at the track all the time now and not at the shop so we've done a lot of I mean it's it's amazing what goes on behind the scenes too like back at the shop Oh yeah, I'm sure. I my husband and I took a trip. Uh, I want to say it was five years ago. He was turning sixty, so we um, went to Charlotte to the night race, and so we visited all the race shops, which I was just in my glory. I'll have to tell you, and um, and 
it's even just watching what was going on then, you know, and through the glass windows. And you didn't even really know 100% what they were doing, but just the, even the atmosphere, it was just exciting to, to be at the race shops and, and see what was going on and feel like you had a little bit of insight into what it took to get that car to the track. Um, you know, now, like you said, things are so different. So you probably, I'm guessing, have to rely on a lot of your data from past races. So we just were at Bristol. We'll take that as an example. So how do you figure out about your tires and what they need to be when you don't have practice and you don't have qualifying? What do you rely on to know that you've got the tires set up correctly? So we have um, some great people that actually work with Goodyear um, that get our tire files and they do all the, they come up with, um, you know, like they do some load testing with, I mean, not testing, but computer work with, um, with the information that they're given. So we get a good direction. And then I have um, the last 21 years of of information too. Now these tires are different than obviously we were back then, but we do um, still, I still send out a report that shows what we ran, what pressures we ran, how many tire sets we used, kind of what to expect. I do a lot of statistical post-race analysis that goes out. So for the next time we go back to Bristol, like right now I'm working on, on the past Bristol race of like when the cautions were and what kind of statistics, like when the first caution was like throughout like we have a last three years and then we have a cumulative because I've been doing it since probably about 2000. So we have a lot of statistics. So this is a busy week for me. Like post event is almost like as busy as a weekend would be, you know, nowadays, which is good. <laughs> right. And the fact that we're not just racing on the weekends, we've got these midweek races. So it doesn't give you a lot of time in between to recap what, where you just were and get ready for the next place. So that's got to be hard too. Yeah, correct. I kind of like it. I like the busyness when you're when you're working out of your house for most of the time. It's like, you know, like when I'm that busy, it makes me feel like I'm still in the grind where I'm at the, you know, I'm at the shop with everybody and constantly busy, you know, like a, a lot throughout the day. So it actually has been, I'm really glad we finally started racing and the two, two races a week is a lot, but like bring it on, like anything to get back to what we all love. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, I had um, close to a dozen events scheduled at NASCAR races this summer for the IWMA. And, you know, if Richmond was going to be the first one. And of course, those have all been put on the back burner as well, which is disappointing. And yet I love that NASCAR is the first sport back and that we're taking the lead and showing that there are ways that you can enjoy your sport, even if you can't be there. But you know, it's, at some point, they're going to have to let us come back, the media and the, and the fans and whatever. And I can't wait for that day to come because there's nothing like being at the track. And so I take it you're not even allowed to go to the races at this point? No, I'm not right now. I'm the backup plan. So we have, we've rotated people all around. So I'm actually not allowed to see anyone that is, is on the um, first string scenes how that like I'm basically the ultimate backup for all four teams every year I think it's going to be a year that I don't go but that doesn't really happen <laughs> I'm always like so when I had my daughter in 
um, 2007. That's when like 2008, I was going to come off the road, but that has never really happened. Like I ended up on the 24 for a while and then I did the 48 the next year. So I've been on all the teams since then and I'm definitely not complaining. Um, the tire guys are great and they fill me in on everything that's the up-to-date things. So when I do have to go, it, it's like I haven't missed a beat. Like I'm nervous going in thinking, what if I forgot something? But of course, like I overdo it and um, it's super exciting. So right now I'm not going at all. Like, and I can't see anyone that does go. We do right. talk still every week, just to make sure there's nothing I'm forgetting or, you know, like I'm still taking care of all other things back here. But um, yeah, we're not even, I mean, I'm hoping this time comes to an end sometime soon. I'm hoping we see this virus just go away and we all resume. I mean, obviously it's never going to be exactly the same, but no. I think it's going to, you know, it's really sharpened everything that I, I do. And I think that they do as well. Like, I think we're probably better at communicating now than we were before. And I'm ready to go. I hope I don't have to fill in for somebody because that means that, that something's wrong. Right. But um, I also get to fill in when there's good things, like when they're having babies and stuff. So that's good. But yeah. Um, and then I do get to see Liz too, who is, I'm a huge fan of. She's such a good kid. Yeah. She's a hard worker too. So it's fun for me to catch up with her. I mean, we still talk too, but to get to see her again, will be nice as well. Yeah. She's, she's one of the first gals that I ran across when I started the IWMA in 2017. And I did a story about her in the magazine and um, then, you know, I just made a point of catching up with her whenever I'd be at the racetrack. And we've just gotten to be good friends, even though she could be my daughter or maybe my granddaughter. But even though, you know, we've gotten to be close friends and, you know, I've seen her at work and she's not a very big girl. And, you know, you guys that you girls that lift those tires and throw them around like they're nothing. It's it's amazing to watch and I, I just have enjoyed doing that. So um, what fun to see somebody that you know actually working on a team. I think that's one of the blessings that I've gotten is all of the people like you that I've met. And then when I get to the racetrack and I get to see you in person and then I get to see you over and over, you know, when I get to the races, it, it's just the best part of this job that I have. And I, you know, no matter what, nobody can take those um, memories and those friendships away. So that's been my, probably my most valuable thing that's happened since I started this. So, you know, Hendrick is a well-known team. You've been there for 21 years. Is there anything that you can tell us about, you know, your job, your team, anything that would encourage other young women to look down the road and, and they say, well, I, I want to be the driver. I want to be the next, you know, NASCAR cup champion. And that's a great dream. We would all encourage that person to do that. But we also know that's a very hard road to, to get to. So what would you say to some young women who are interested in racing, they're passionate about it? What are the opportunities would you share in motorsports for, and it's not just young women, young men would have the same opportunities, but what are some of those things that maybe they don't think about that they could get involved in motorsports? So like you were saying earlier, there are just so many areas, especially like there's the core people that are, that we see, you know, like on the road, there's the, all of those positions, which is kind of fun to see now. And 
um, you see women doing a lot more of them. I don't think we're ever going to have, like, I don't think we need to have an all female crew. Um, I think the ones that, that, I mean, you know, it's just not everybody's passion is to do the exact same thing and or work on race cars or, but I think the, the women that can't, that do want to do it will be able to succeed in it. So there's the, the known positions, but like there we have, um, marketing, like there's just so many people, people at Hendrick, um, there's so many positions that work in racing that make our team complete. And like I was saying, this has really made it evident with all of us not being at the shop, but to see, get emails from everybody and you go, oh, that's right, they're doing this. Like we have an accounting department, we have like a cleanup department, like we have maintenance. We, there's just so much that we couldn't have done without, like that wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to run. Um, there's, uh, we have a parts department. I mean, there's any kind of area I almost feel like that you are into if you're athletic we have an athletic department that you know trains the pit crew there is the pit crew I mean there's always that too if you're physically fit because you obviously have to be to do that position but there's I mean there's just so much that as long as you I mean don't hold your I wouldn't put the blinders on for sure and if there's only one thing you want to do I'm not saying don't do that but don't think that starting at one level isn't going to get you where you want to be like I would have never imagined that this would have turned into a career for me. I definitely think the psychology degree has helped. Um, being on the road with all men and being the only woman. Now, again, there are women going, but back when I started, I definitely was the only woman on the road. Um, so that has helped. So there's, there's no, I, I just think there's no stopping it. I definitely think I am a huge advocate of education. So even if you're volunteering at a race team, and then getting your education, I think that will propel you into areas that you never thought you would go, you know, that, that didn't even exist in the, in the racing field. Well, exactly. Because let's, let's be honest, let's look back <clears throat> even 10 years ago, was social media a big part of race teams? No. You know, in the last 10 years, look how social media has gotten the brand out there and they, and it's, it's so big and, you know, nobody knows that better than I do because that's how I've connected to 99% of the people that I've met is through social media, through LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. And, and think of that 10 years ago, you know, you needed a marketing department or an advertising department or whatever it might be to get Hendrick's name out there and get their sponsors names out there. And now it's basically a, you and I can sit at home and be just as involved as if we were in an office. Absolutely. I mean, that's a huge good point too. When I started, there was no social media. Like there was no, you know, and, and it probably helped me as much as it, you know, maybe held me back. Like I think it's a 50-50 because I didn't really think I was the only person doing it. And then, you know, like it would have been neat back then to open up and go, look, this is a definite area that anybody can be involved with. But, you know, that's, we've definitely made it that far now. I feel like there aren't any roadblocks. I feel like anybody that wants to do whatever in, in everything, not just racing, I feel like you can really, really like get out there. And like you said, social media has really opened up the door for a lot of things. Yeah, it really has. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of things that shouldn't be put out there on social media, but I think honestly, the good outweighs the bad. And I, if I get too much of the bad, then that person gets blocked from my, from my feed because I don't want to see that. I, you know, when people start complaining about the, 
this and that with racing, then I, t I private message them and tell them, you know, I, if you don't enjoy what you're watching, then turn the channel, but don't, don't ruin it for the rest of us. And, and, um, <clears throat> I, I love following Twitter because that, that can get pretty amusing at times, but it's just so fun, especially when we've been confined. You know, I live in Michigan. We were talking before we came on, you know, our governor just is going to release us, if you will, from um, we are going to be able to go to restaurants at 50% capacity and the racetracks around here are going to start um, holding races with 50% capacity. And so we're at least going to get to go to the racetrack and follow our favorite drivers or, or watch racing at some point. And I know NASCAR's looking at getting the fans back because that's what it's all about. And, you know, I, I have an event scheduled at Phoenix for championship weekend and it's still on. So I have hope that we're going to see fans back prior to November at the racetrack. At least, at least that's what I'm hoping for. So have you heard anything about that or can you give us any clues to that? Oh, I wish I knew something. I know nothing. Um, I'm guessing the same thing. I think we all just are in the same boat. Like, obviously I've heard a little talk of, but we're not even all full back at the shop yet, you know? So I know we're, because we are the first sport to do this, we've been tiptoeing in very, very carefully and very safely, um, which I wouldn't have it any other way. I think it's great the yeah. way we've done it. Um, I love the way they've done it actually. And I think they're definitely, they definitely have done it right, but nobody wants fans more than the people that are running the deal. So I know that as soon as they deem it safe, it'll happen. I wouldn't think it would be much longer, but we'll see. It's just hard to know, isn't it? It is hard to know. And I, you know, when Kevin Harvick won that race and he, he was almost emotional, I think, looking around and how quiet it was and, and no fans. And, you know, you, you don't think about it until you see him getting out of his car and there's no cheering and whatever. And, and you see his reaction. And I, you know, some of the drivers actually, pretty much all the drivers are already so good about being there for the fans, signing autographs, taking pictures, that kind of thing. But I, you know, maybe this will also give them another appreciation for those fans when they're not there. Because, you know, what is the saying? You don't know what you've got till it's gone. And it's, it's you know, getting out of a race car, winning a big race, and there's nobody there to cheer for you. Or, you know, we, we have some good friends that are in baseball and a young man that is going to be playing for the Cardinals. And we said, you know, what if he gets his first major league start and there's nobody in the stands? You know, there's just things you don't think about that are going to be different. It's never going to be like it was, but hopefully it'll be better than it was. So that's, that's kind of at least what I'm hoping. I think for. we can. Yeah. I think that we can each individually make that our plan. We're just going to make it better. That's what, I've spent these last couple of weeks thinking, all right, what can we do when we get back? What can I do better? And I feel like there's a lot of people, a lot of race fans, like who, you know, we all work with too, that that's what our plan is. We're going to go in and make it better than it was. And like you said, it was, you could see the emotion on Harvick's face when he got out and he was like, wow, there's just no fans. Like, 
it was overwhelming for all, even, even watching it from the sidelines. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was for me too. Back. We'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get back to uh, the track. I, I'm really missing it. My granddaughter races. And so I at least I'm going to be able to go watch her race a little bit, but I'm anxious to get back to the NASCAR um, tracks and, and get some events going for women and, and just finish out the plan for 2020 and if it doesn't happen then we'll work on 2021 but um you know we have a great sport and the one thing about it i think the people are so kind they're so giving they want to help each other they might be competitive out on that track you know you're part of hendrick and so you're comp competing against um you know gibbs's team but it's like you're all one big family and you'd help each other in a heartbeat if you needed to. And that's the thing I love about racing in general is the relationships I've made, the people that I've met. And, and then, you know, that's, that's just something that nobody can take away from us. I am in a hundred percent agreement. Like there's nobody at like, I, I, there's no, no comparison to the relationships I've made at Hendrick and then like you said from all the other teams especially the tire guys we really stick together all through this if anybody needs anything we've been you know like I get texts from people all the time and and I know they'd have my back as well so it's yeah. definitely a bonus from this it sure is so Lisa do you have a favorite track that you like to go to Oh, yes. Um, my favorite track is Phoenix. Um, oh. And it, the reason is it was the first big win I had with Schrader in the Winston West series. Um, he used to love going there. So we would drive 36 hours on the hauler and, and um, you know, he won a lot <laughs> there in that race. So it was a ton of fun. And I thought the track was so great when it used to have that dog leg. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not terrible now. I'm just saying I love that it was such a driver's track and the, I mean, we just always, I related it so much with so much fun too. Like it was competitive, but with Kenny Schrader, you don't ever not have a good time. Yes. So it was so much fun to go there. And now we've been testing a couple of times. Um, I'll go with our wheel force transducer car. So we tire test kind of loads on our, on our, it's a different kind of race car that we are looking at different things that happen on the tires. Um, and I've gone there a couple times and now, uh, my cousin lives out there. So it's like an added bonus. And I have a friend that lives in Phoenix. So all of that surrounding it just makes it my favorite track. And what a great memory. Like the first time we won, I was like, it was overwhelming. Not my first win, but my first big win. Right. No, I, you know, of course I live a couple hours from the track in Michigan, but Phoenix is actually my favorite track. Um, I've gotten to know several of the people there. And my, my youngest two daughters live in the Phoenix area, one in Glendale, one in near Scottsdale. So it's the same for me when I, when I go out there and I rarely miss, I go and I was there in the spring and I usually go there at least twice a year, if not more often to see my family, but I'm always there the weekends of the races. And I love what they've done to the track. I love the, just the infield is amazing for people to watch the race. I mean, I, I have a lot of tracks I haven't been to to compare it to, but I can tell you that Michigan has nothing close to what Phoenix has done. And I love being in the infield 
for the race at races at Phoenix. That's just one of my very favorite places to go. So we, we have the same, same thought there on that track and hopefully you'll be there for championship weekend and you can come and, and visit us when we have our event because that would be great. That would be great. Let's stay in touch for sure. I can't wait to meet you. Okay, well, that sounds good. So Lisa, is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you would like to share with our listeners? I don't think so. I think you've nailed it. Like, I think all the advice that you've been giving is, is exactly what I've, when I'm approached with anything for anybody that wants to get into motorsports or almost any other field. I mean, motorsports obviously is a little different, but definitely it's the same advice I've been given, been giving to everyone, including my little my little daughter, she's actually 12 now, but okay. <laughs> she doesn't really have any interest in racing other than like, she'll cheer on our four drivers, but she'll watch it just because she has to, because it's on, but, <laughs> and she likes to travel when we get to go. So, oh yeah, I'm sure. So I'm going to tell you one interesting little story and then I'll, I'll let you go. Cause I know you're busy. So when my husband and I went to Charlotte for the trip that I was telling you about, we went to all of the, um, all of the shops and we went to Hendrix and I, my son, my son was still alive at the time and he raced cars. And so Jeff Gordon was always his favorite driver from the time he was little. He, um, <clears throat> so I was able to buy a tire at the shop at Hendrick. Um, and it was actually a tire that had been on Jeff Gordon's car and he had won the race at Michigan on August 14th, which was my son's birthday. So I was able to buy that tire and bring it home. And there was a, an older lady that worked out, you know, like in the, in, um, where you buy things, you know, your, your shop with all your shirts and everything. But there was an older lady working there. And my, my husband was going to pick up the tire and take it and put it in the car. And she said, oh, no. And she just picked that tire up and away she went with the tire. And we still laugh about that, that she wasn't going to let some man take that tire from her. She was, you know, going to do it. But that, that was cool. And I still have that tire. Um, you know, we were going to make, make it into something, a coffee table, a something. And my son passed away in 2018. But I have that tire. And... I am going to get my husband to make something out of it because it's even more special now. But um, that's a cool thing I didn't know you could do. I didn't know you could go there and buy tires that came off of the race cars. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that's so exciting. That makes me so happy. Yeah, I definitely, um, like Chase just won. So we get all the scuffs from his win. And that's part of my job is to make sure. And I hand him off to... Um, a great guy named Charles who gets the, you know, he makes, gets the certificates. So their authenticity, like we work together on that, but he does all the certificates, but I get them to him. Uh -huh. And it's always so exciting to me when he's like, oh, we need more. We need more. Like, I love seeing people roll tires out of that, out of the store too. Oh yeah. I dropped, I dropped a little bit of money that day when I was there. So, but that, that was so fun. So, you know, I encourage people to take a trip to Charlotte and visit all the race shops and go to Mooresville and all that, because <clears throat> there's a lot to see and there's a lot to learn. If you, if you're a passionate about racing, then you should definitely put that on your, your list of places to go. So, 
Well, <clears throat> Lisa, I've enjoyed talking with you today so much. And hopefully, yes, we will see each other at the racetrack very soon. And um, any, any last words at all, and then I'll let you go. Well, I just want to thank you, Melinda, for what you do. I love getting to know you, and I can't wait to see you. And I wish you all the best in anything you ever need from me. You know how to get a hold of me. Okay, that sounds great. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. Take care. All right. Thank you for listening to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Follow us on Facebook at International Women's Motorsports Association or on Instagram and Twitter at the IWMA Nation. And if you know someone that should be on our show, drop us an email at IWMA Nation at gmail.com. <laughs>